Chapter Thirteen of On an Irish Jaunting Car Through Donegal and Connemara by Samuel Gamble Bain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Frank Lennon. Lenan to Recess. Next morning, with new car, horse, and driver, we put off for Lenan, twenty-seven miles away. We drove along the banks of Loch Mask with its groups of small wooded islands, and left it to take the road along Loch Nafui, a very picturesque drive. After some hours of driving, we put up at McKeown's Hotel in Linan. Mac is a Puba, a tall, strapping young Irishman, a six-foot tour with an intermittent laugh that takes most of the sting out of his hotel bills, and he holds the complimentary title of Major. He runs an up-to-date hotel, is postmaster, owns a store, has all the mail posting contracts, rents salmon and trout rivers and lakes, ships salmon to London, and owns 10,000 acres of shooting land stocked with grouse, hare, snipe, duck and cock, which he lets to visitors, as well as seal shooting on the bay. He also owns a sheep mountain, from which he serves mutton to his guests in all the ways that mankind has ever known since sheep were first slaughtered for food. We had on succeeding days as part of the menu roast mutton, hot and cold, stewed lamb, boiled leg, roast saddle, minced lamb, mutton cutlass, broiled kidneys, lamb chops, Irish stew, suet pudding, sweetbreads, French chops, sheep's head, and mutton broth. We fancied we could detect wool growing on the palms of our hands when we left the hotel, and could have forgiven Mac if we could only have found it starting on the tops of our heads instead. At another hotel in the fishing centre we had an aquarium-style living, which in time became monotonous. They served up in the course of time for our delectation, salmon boiled and salmon broiled, cold salmon, salmon steak, salmon croquettes, salmon cutlets, and stewed salmon, intersected with white trout, black trout, yellow trout, brown trout, sea trout, speckled trout, and gillaroo. But at recess they combined such things with chops, duck, green peas, lobster, and Irish sole right out of the nearby sea. All hail recess, and long life to Polly, the peach-cheeked waitress who served us so nimbly. Next morning we crossed Killery Bay in a boat, and while doing so we noticed that the captain held his leg in a kind of constrained position. We asked him if it was stiff or if he was troubled with rheumatism. No, to tell your honour the truth, there's a hole in the boat, and I'm just keeping me heel in it to save her from sinking. After landing, we drove to Delphi to see its lake and woods, then on to Loch Dew, a long sheet of water from the banks of which the mountains rise to a height of 2,500 feet. Delphi is one of the loveliest spots in Connemara, but we can hardly go as far as the enthusiastic Englishman who wrote, It may be safely said that if Connemara contained no other beauty, 
Delphi alone would be worth the journey from London for the sake of the mountain scenery. Delphi House formerly belonged to the Marquis of Sligo, and at one time he lived there. We returned by driving round the head of the bay with a horse that would have retarded a funeral procession. Within a mile of the hotel there is a double echo, which we tested by loud whistling on our fingers. After crossing the bay, the echo came back to us with great strength, striking our side of the mountain again, and thus making a second echo. On the morning before we left, I lay in bed half asleep, and, as the bedrooms in the west of Ireland rarely have any locks on the doors, our confidential boots stole quietly into the room, and looking at me, soliloquized in a tender tone suggestive of a tip if i should hear him sure his honour is slapin like a baby and twould be nothing short of a crime to wake him up this wet morning i haven't the heart to do it and he walked out of the room with his eye on the furniture the following day we took in the killeries as they are called this is a long arm of the sea surrounded by high bold mountains clothed with very green verdure to their tops. It is a wonderful fjord which has scarcely any parallel in the British Isles and much resembles the coast scenery in Norway. Capacious and fit for the largest ships, it runs inland to the very heart of the mountains for a distance of some nine miles. The mountain scenery on the north of the fjord is incomparably the finest the enormous walls of Mulray, the giant of the west and ben gorm rising abruptly to the height of two thousand six hundred and eighty-eight feet and two thousand three hundred and three feet while the excessive stillness of the landlocked water in which the shadows of the hills are clearly reflected makes it difficult for one to believe that it is the actual ocean which he beholds. That night, after a drive of twelve miles, we reached Casson's Hotel in Letterfrack, where we asked for a fire in the dining-room, as it was cold when we arrived. The maid brought a burning scuttle of peat, the smoke from which did not subside during the entire dinner, but it looked comfortable to see each other through it, reminding us of cheerful fires and warm nooks at home. The comparison could go no further, however. We asked the maid for a wine list, in order that we might try to overcome the effects of the smoke, and she responded, with great naivete, that she had no wine list, but would bring us a sample from every bin in the cellar. In a few minutes, sure enough, she bounced into the room with her arms full of bottles, saying, Take your choice, gentlemen. There's nothing finer in all Connemara. We took her at her word. She had not deceived us. The bottle we selected was a good claret. Next morning, the landlady furnished us with the best animal we had on the trip. She was a stout bay mare, and when her spirits had rallied, after leaving a young colt of hers behind, she reeled off the miles like a machine. Our object in visiting this part of the country was to see Mitchell Henry's famous castle, Kylemore, 
and the twelve pins about which we had been hearing all our lives without ever having had an opportunity to visit them until now mr henry was a linen merchant with houses in belfast and manchester he made a fortune purchased fourteen thousand acres of land in connemara to give himself a political foothold and in consequence became mp for galway which position he retained for six years about forty years ago he began the construction of Kylemore, selecting as a site a valley between very high mountains with a lake and a river in front of the spot where his castle would stand he collected rare trees and planted the mountain sides with them as well as the valley around his buildings in addition to the castle he erected fine stables private chapel sheltered gardens and conservatories and preserved the salmon and trout in the lake and river the moist heat from the gulf stream was his main ally and nowhere else in the world can more bursting vigour and splendid growth be seen than are exhibited by his trees shrubs and flowers to see them is a veritable treat to those who are interested in such things in the gardens flourish groups of tropical plants palms and rare ferns the year round they need no protection in this mild climate his roads have double fuchsia hedges twelve feet high which anywhere else than in connemara would be worth a fortune they were in full bloom when we saw them mr henry is now a very old man and lives in london and the sad part of it all is that he cannot enjoy the glories of his famous property and it is for sale sic transit gloria mundi after visiting the castle church gardens and conservatories we drove through the extensive finely wooded domain passing vast banks of rhododendrons and hydrangeas in rare bloom till we reached the country road and caught our first glimpse of the twelve pins or bends as they are sometimes called they were a disappointment we had heard too much about them the twelve pins is a group of high mountains having but little verdure the highest ben bon is two thousand four hundred feet above sea level the remarkable feature about them is that they are practically one long mountain with twelve peaks rising from it at regular intervals excepting this startling effect they do not compare with muckish dewish or erigal the peerless cone of donegal the bay mare carried us in gallant style past the long romantic-looking loch Ina, down to recess where we put up at the best hotel we had found since we started end of lenan to recess